and uh, feel free to disagree, uh, but don't debate me because I only got thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like this. This is observational, right? That last bit was ex- expedition. That was from the yeah. That was from the word out. Um, this is from just observing experience. The beauty of the last thing is that you, the 21st chapter of the book, uh, the, the Gospel of John, you'll never read the same again now. So you can read that and you go, oh, I can see that, I can see that, I can see that. That's the beauty, isn't it, of taking the Word and making it come alive. So people go, oh, wow, yeah, that's right, I can see that. Because then when they go home, they'll forget what you've said. You'll forget what I've said, but you'll possibly remember the last chapter of the Gospel you know, it was what God wants me to do and how I'm going to do it. And then you can go back and you can reread it. And you go, the last chapter of the gospel. You probably won't forget that because that was the last you know, bit of recording we have of, of Jesus in that sense. Obviously, it was at the start of the book of Acts, but you understand my point. Okay, um, <clears throat> what I'm going to do now is just, I guess, um, reflect with you for a few moments, a few self-indulgent moments of personal reflection of, uh, of what's happened in, in the church over the last 20 to 30 years, I came on as a youth pastor uh, in Ipswich in 1985-6. I interviewed a woman actually, actually, I've never said this before, but you want to get onto our Centro Church website and listen to the interview with Carol Han I did last Sunday night. This is the mo- it's the most incredible story. This woman grew up living in trees, literally. Literally, literally lived in trees. Um, her, uh, her, her mother had a different man every three or four, four months. And uh, she came to Jesus in 1986 through her son coming to our youth group. And, uh, and within three years, she's on our church staff. And she's still on our church staff three decades later. Her story, her story of the, the transformation, the power of God, is one of the most, you could make a movie on it. You could honestly, if you listen to that podcast, you'll finish up laughing. Because she's 10 years old, sitting on this man's lap, who's currently with her mother, steering while he's working the pedals and changing the gears because he's too drunk to drive. But she's steering the way. It's just an incredible story. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I digress. The only reason I say that is because I've been very close to this thing they call the church for several decades. And I've been intimately involved with its runnings and with its comings and goings for 35 years. And over 35 years... Um, you get to see things change. And obviously, I was in part of the church before that. And, uh, and I'm going to identify six shifts in church life. And I think we're going to put them on the screen, aren't we? Um, and I'm going to just uh, describe each of them uh, for about five minutes or so, and then, then we're done. So the, the first one will, will be this. The agenda from pastoring the church to pastoring the community. The agenda, the agenda has changed um, prevailing churches do not see themselves, right, as, the, as the, the vicar, if you will, who's tending to his flock. Rather, what we see is that the church's role is to pastor the Gladstone, you know, the, the Rockhampton, the Tenham Sands, the, the Billawila, whatever. The church's role is to be a pastoral nurturing force in its community. Uh, so it's not the individual looking after the flock, but it's the, the church looking after its community. Um, and, you know, we say we, we, we pay a lot of attention to outreach, and some, sometimes, just a thought for those of you who preach, 
when you're preparing a message, <clears throat> the faces come to mind. You know, when I'm preparing a message, I often see John Rewald, particularly when it's a pastor's thing. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think, what does John need? No, uh, <laughs> a lot, yeah. Um, do you ever see the, the, the face of somebody when you think, oh, geez, I hope they're there on Sunday. They really need this. This is really good, you know. And they're never, inevitably seldom there, right? And, uh, and so here, here's the question around that. Uh, when you're preparing a message, how often do you see the face of, of the lost and the least and the last? How often do you see the face of someone who's not in your church? You know, so, so often we say stuff like this, but the truth is most of our worship of a Sunday and most of our preaching is focused on the lot, on the saved. And, and, you know, we see, you know, I hope, oh, yeah, this is going to help them. This is, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm understanding that we have a responsibility to our flocks. But I, I'm also saying that in the last few decades, what God has done um, for us as a movement in particular uh, when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in Melbourne, in the uh, eastern suburbs of Victoria, uh, of Melbourne, I should say, and, um, and we, we, we were Pentecostals, like back in the early 70s, and we used to have to drive like an hour to find a church <laughs> that was a Pentecostal church, because back then the Pentecostals were on the edges of the community. That's not the case now. If I lived where I lived growing up, I would have like a dozen Pentecostal churches within a 15-minute drive. Uh, that wasn't the case when I was 10 or 15. It's the case now. And so we, we've, we've moved to a different position. And we have to now change our perspectives. So now that God has given us this position of influence, and now that the Prime Minister is one of us, <laughs> uh, we, we, we are now not who we used to be. We are, we are now something different. The Pentecostal Church in Australia is now something different. And what we have to do, what we have to try to, I think, try to um, create is this sense in which it's not now about the agenda is to pastor just the redeemed. But we've got to do what Jesus talked about, you know, in, in the Gospel of Luke 15, where he gives those three parables, rapid fire, about the lost coin, the lost, uh, the, um, <clears throat> the lost sheep, lost coin, and the lost son. Uh, and we've got to be there for the lost, for those who aren't part of us, there's got to be a focus towards that. Um, we've got to see ourselves as pastoring the community, not just pastoring the church. It's got to be the, our agenda. <clears throat> number, number two, the value. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is so much a shift as it just has to... Uh, I don't know if this is a, a shift in time as it is necessarily just a shift in maturity. But um, the value from image um, to transparency... Uh, and this is very much being pushed nowadays in our society. And if we don't grab a hold of this, this will grab a hold of us. Um, one of the things that's become evident in this modern culture that you and I now are a part of is people don't mind exposing themselves. Anyone look at social media lately? You know what I'm saying? Like people, like, you know, I, I, I struggle with it myself. I struggle with it, you know. My kids put on their, their feeds of Instagram, you know, everything they're doing. And I'm interested because I'm their father. Why anyone else would be interested, I have no idea. <laughs> but they are. <laughs> like, what's with that? I don't, I, like, I, I don't use it very often. 
social media every now and again. I put something on, and my daughter says, he's come out from under his dark rock and put something up. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm a foreigner trying to learn Italian. You know, I'm trying to learn a foreign language. This is not my, this is not my language. It is the language of my children. Like, they live in this space. Uh, and, like, they're taking, they're taking pictures all day and putting pictures up. Like, I'm thinking, what are you doing? I can't even, I can't even get that into my head. But, but that's a generational thing. Um, this isn't so much a generational thing. I'm just simply saying that, that transparency is currency today. And, you know, we can put a lot of effort, a lot of thought and time into creating an image. Um, uh, but an image today is going to be trumped by transparency every day of the week. In other words, it's not so much important that I get the accolades as it is important that I merit them. Right? So if I can position myself to get the accolades, look how good I am. It's not about doing that. It's just about being that. And if you are being that, then eventually that will filter out through this transparency. Now, I happen to think this is a biblical thing. Um, because we are called to be, um, to be holy. And the term holiness is not perfection. It comes, you know, if you know the derivation of the word, came from uh, an ancient practice where, um, you know, they, they were um, sculpting a head of, of a, you know, a pharaoh or something like this to put it up and, and be honoured. And the sculptor slipped and... and swiped an ear off or took a chunk out of the cheek or the nose or whatever, uh, what they would do is they would get wax and they would colour the wax the same colour as the marble and they would fashion the wax uh, to the same shape as the bit that had been accidentally chiselled off and they'll put it there and the nose or the, the ear or whatever and it would, the image would look and you'd see the image and you go, oh, you know, that's so-and-so, it's perfect. But of course, you'd put that image out in the open and, and a very hot Middle Eastern day and the sun would pierced down on it, eventually the wax would melt and it would become waxless. You'd see the sculpture for, with all its flaws for what it really was. And that's what holiness actually means. Holiness means waxless. And, and the concept behind it is there's nothing hidden. There's nothing hidden. Um, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, of course, the big downfall was not that it was that they hid and God's coming saying, where are you? Well, of course he knew where they were, but they were hiding. They weren't being authentic, honest, uh, transparent. And then, of course, they got their little fig leaves and the, 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 their image became the thing they valued. And um, I'm not saying that, I'm certainly not saying that people today don't value image because I'm personally not convinced that a lot of what they put up on social media isn't curated to present an image that isn't real. Um, but there is a sense, though, in which that if, if it's not real, eventually it becomes exposed, and we see that all the time. We see people being exposed for being frauds because of the, uh, the, the quick communication and, and information day that we live in. So I, I just think that our value has to be not so much what our image is, but more what, what who we actually are and a transparency and openness and an honesty. And I think that's what will resonate. Um, I think that has got to be the, uh, the value. Uh, number, number three. Um, this is an interesting one. The priority to form community, um, not perform to form community, not perform ministry. The priority to form community, not perform um, ministry. Um, the thing I see about Jesus after he's baptized, he goes out into the wilderness. He comes back, and before he really gets into 
healing the sick and casting out the devils and whatever, uh, he chooses 12 to be with him. And he builds a community. And then, of course, out of that community, there's the inner and the outer, and it goes out. And there's many more than just the 12. But he sends the 12 out, doesn't he? And they come back. And he sends the 70 out, and they come back. And, and I just think there's a, there's a picture of ministry here. There's ministry flows out of and then back into community. Jesus built community. The ministry flowed out of that. And I just, you know, I, I do think that it's becoming increasingly difficult for people who purely just have a ministry. You know, they try to get a gig because I've got a ministry. <laughs> and uh, people join my church and, you know, they've got a great ministry and they want me to use them because of their great ministry. <laughs> and they don't really, they don't really form community. Uh, they've just got, you know, I've got this gift. I've got this talent. And so give me, give me a, a platform or give me a forum to show off my gift and show off my talent that God has given to me for the body. And, uh, and that might be true. They may well have a gift and a talent God has given them for the body, but they have prioritised ministry over community. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus prioritised community. He built community. He chose 12 to be with Him and they were indeed His priority and the ministry flowed out of that. The ministry was, uh, and even, even the day of Pentecost, you know, um, 120 people together in an upper room, day after day after day. Think about this. It says they're all in one accord. I reckon it took a while to get there. <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit did, because could you imagine, could you imagine, right, we're having a meeting here, and, you know, in this great facility, and, and, and you know, James calls us all together, and he locks the doors, and you say, well, what are we here for? And he says, well, something's going to happen. What? Well, I don't really know. <laughs> I just know something's going to happen. So the Holy Spirit hadn't come before. Nobody knew, what to, nobody knew what to expect. Nobody knew what was going to happen. We didn't know that now it's happened <laughs> because we didn't know what was going to happen. And so we're in this environment and, and where there's 120 on the, in the, and there was there 120 to start with, but does, we don't know. They were there for seven days. Seven days is a long time to be in a room with a bunch of other people. Ooh-wee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so we get hungry. And so we, you know, we send John, we say, John, go to the fish and chip shop. You know, we believe there's John's, um, John, uh, the fisherman's got some, uh, fish where Jesus is still on that. Go and get some fish and bring it back, you know. So he goes and gets the fish and we, we're having some food. And, and you know, um, you know, let's just say Howie, he's a bit, you know, as young as he used to be. And so he gets finally up to get his fish and it's all gone. And so he's a bit cranky because he didn't get it properly fed. Right? And then Michelle hasn't slept a wink because Stephen snores. <laughs> and so she's cranky ass because this bloke, she just wants to thump him in halfway through the night. I'm going to thump him so we can sleep. And 120 people in one room for crying out loud. Think about that. <laughs> and finally... Finally, when, when they were of one, finally they got over all of that stuff. Finally, they, they, they were in one accord. Finally, community had been reached. Then the Holy Spirit came. Then ministry flowed. But it took seven days to build community. Just a thought. The priority was building community, not performing ministry. Don't get me wrong. Ministry is important. People need ministry. But if it's not flowing from community, I don't know that it's carrying the power of the Holy Spirit with it, to be frank. Just a thought for you. Um, 
I'm convinced community can only flourish when it exists for a thing outside of itself and ministry is outside of itself. I'm not talking about just getting together, holding hands and singing Kumbaya, but I am talking about understanding that something inside me has got to change so that I can embrace my brother and my sister so that we can be of one accord and that although there's, you know, Nathaniel and, and, and Thomas there, I can still love them both. The, the, the ministry, the, the focus is um, the priorities community, um, uh, not, uh, not ministry number three. Three to go. Um, the pastor, his role is moves from the primary caregiver to the leadership developer, the primary caregiver, right? And this comes back to what we are talking about earlier. The church is there not just to focus on itself, but it's there to pastor its community. And to do that, the pastor has to be a leadership developer, not just a primary caregiver. And of course, um, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12 says, For Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers to equip the body, to catechismos kat- um, uh, for the work of service, that word equip. Uh, to to uh, uh, skill people up um, so that the body of Christ may be indeed built up. Um, it's interesting because that word catechismos that is used there in the Greek is the same word that's used in Matthew chapter one verse Mark sorry Mark chapter one verse nineteen, where um, as Jesus is walking across uh, on the sea on the banks of Galilee there, and he comes across. Um, fishermen mending their nets. So that word mending the nets is the same word, catechismos. Um, so that's the, when it says here that pastors are given for the equipping of the saints, it's the same idea as, as fishermen mending their nets. It's the same word, catechismos, in, uh, in the Greek. And uh, what's so important to understand about that is this. This is going to get real deep, real quick, real philosophical. But are you ready? What's so important about that is this. Fishermen don't mend nets to have mended nets, do they? Fishermen mend nets to catch fish, right? Pastors don't equip people to have equipped people. Pastors equip people to do ministry. One's an end and one's a means. Your Sunday service, or, or, or whenever you're speaking to the people of, 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 of Christ, you're speaking to the body of Christ, it's a means, not an end. I told you it'd be deep. <laughs> it's a means, not an In other words, this is not, you know, okay, we had a great meeting and people got touched and it was great, fantastic. People were built up. It's wonderful. Yeah, kind, not kind of, not kind of, because that's not the end. The end is when they take that and go and change their community. <laughs> the end's not to have mended nets, right? The people are the nets. The, the, the end's not to just have, the, the, our goal is not to heal people. Our goal is to have whole people who are healing society. Right, if the church, if the, the goal of the church is to simply heal people, right, then the end is what the means, the means should be uh, healed people who are healing their world, not just having healed people. Just a thought. Um, and I, I love the teaching gifts and, and, and I love, you know, um, uh, the ministry gifts and they're all great. They're all great, but they're not ends in themselves. We are here to see people whole and then released. If it's just see people whole, we're not there. Whole, then released. Think about it. Um, you know, we have three mature um, adults now in our family, our children. They're not children anymore. Uh, you know, they're all now living lives that are changing their world. Um, just two weekends ago, our middle girl gave away a car 
uh, in their church. She, her and her husband pioneered a church in the middle of Brisbane. They gave away a car to a single, fa- single father. My, my oldest daughter was preaching at Cam Bennett's church on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My youngest daughter lives in London now, runs this thing called, research, uh, runs this, uh, this school, this, um, this program that takes kids off the street and skills, skills them up for work. It's run through churches, and, but it's, it's funded um, not from government. And, and so she actually ran a thing, raised $120,000 uh, to fund the program that she now runs. She went to London what, two and a half years ago now, and now she's back running this program. Um, but the point, the point I'm saying is that we didn't raise our children to have you know, kids off our hands. We raised our kids to go out and change the world. But what that meant was when they were five, you know, you can help with the dishes. And when you're 10, you can do the dishes. And when you're 15, you can, you know, you can you, you get, get, yeah, buy, cook the dishes, cook, cook the meal, whatever. But because, because ultimately, right, ultimately my, my family, right, my children, it was never about just making sure they were fed and educated. It was about skilling them up and see you later. You know, now go and change your world. And that's where we're at now. You know, the youngest is 24 or something. The oldest is 32. They're out there changing their worlds. That's what we planned from the beginning. And sometimes, I, you know, I, I, again, the whole concept of gifts, it's great, but sometimes it's an excuse for laziness, you know. Oh, that's not my gift, Pastor. You know, if my kids said, you know, I want you to set the table, then that's not my gift. I don't care about what your gift is. <laughs> it's your job. Exactly. It's your responsibility. Just do it, sweetheart. Just do it. And, and we got people in church, you know, they don't want to do stuff because it ain't their gift. What kind of nonsense is that? <laughs> Whatever your hand finds to do, do it hardly under the Lord. That's got to get done. Why don't you just do it? <laughs> that's, that's the story. I mean, I, I went to the church that I pastor in 1979 as a seven-year-old kid. And, uh, and that's the story of my life, you know. They, they needed someone to teach grade five Sunday school. And they said, he'll do that. Oh, I suppose I'll do it, you know. <laughs> and so I, I did grade five Sunday school. And then the Sunday school superintendent, what we had in those days, you know, she left or she got too old and died or whatever, I don't remember. And, uh, and they said, I'm now nine. Said, Who can run the Sunday school? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Who will run the Sunday school? Oh, gee, I don't know. Okay, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> so I run the Sunday school, you know. And uh, I, remember, I remember going to this district gathering back in those days with Pastor Wayne, who was my pastor at the time, and um, Pastor Reg Klimanock that some of you would know of at Garden City. And Wayne had dragged me along to this district meeting, you know, and, he, and who's here for the first time? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. And what do you, what's your name, brother? I'm John. He said, and what do you do? And I said, uh, I run the Sunday school. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, a, a ministry to children. You have a ministry to children's gift upon your life. Well, no, I don't. <laughs> just someone had to do it, you know. <laughs> so I just did it because it had to get done. I don't, know if it's, I don't think it's a gift. <laughs> because the next thing, we, we ran this home for homeless young women called Hannah's House, which I still run. And it's not what it was back then. But anyway, they needed house parents. We don't have house parents now. We have a coordinator and staff and, and a, hundred, minute, minute, a half a million dollar a year budget. Um, back then, uh, I earned, my wife and I earned 150 bucks a week each. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it was a different day. And, uh, and they said, you know, who? The pastor came and said, we need a house parent. We need house parents. I'm 23, right? Going to put a 23-year-old kid living in a house 
with wayward teenage girls. What was he thinking? <laughs> I, would not do, I would no sooner do that today as fly to the moon. But anyway, that's what we did. And uh, so we lived in this house, my wife and I. We were 23 and uh, looking after these wayward teenagers that, you know, couldn't live at home for whatever reason and they're all, all over the place, all kinds of sordid nonsense and whatever. Anyhow, so we, we're living in, in this house. Why? Because I have a gift to wayward teenage girls. <laughs> it's my gift. <laughs> you know, not really, because someone had to do it. And they said, well, you do it. Okay, I'll do it. And then, and then that, Wayne was the youth pastor then, actually. And then the pastor left, and he became the pastor. And he said, I've got to get a youth pastor. Do you want to do it? And I said, oh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and then finally, this is, this is true. This is true. And then finally, he was running Youth Alive in the Nation at that point. And he, and, and he said, look, I just don't have time to run the church. I'm, I'm just going to resign and do Youth Alive. I said, oh, okay, fair enough. He said, well, do you want the church? I said, oh, no. <laughs> I suppose I'll give it a go, <laughs> and so we give it a go. <laughs> and and you know, look, I'm all for finding your gift and doing what your gift is. But let me tell you something: sometimes you've just got to do what's got to got done, <laughs> and it's called your maturity. Gift is one thing; maturity is another. And, and whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily unto the Lord, and just develop, develop yourself. Develop the people around you, catechismos. There you go, number four. Number five, the congregation therefore shifts as well. And the congregation's got to shift for all this to work. The mindset of the believer has got to move from consumer to contributor, or consumer to minister. Um, how many know in Revelation chapter 2 verse 5, Jesus says, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He hates it. Um, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is embodied in this nation in law, just by the way. Um, it's the law and Jesus hates it. Now, what am I talking about? The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, so you understand. Um, if we go back again to the derivation of the word. Nico means hierarchy, to dominate over. Laet or Latians is where we get the word laity from. Have you heard the term laity? You know, the, that's, that's the, the non-paid Christians, right? <laughs> the Christians who are good for nothing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good for free. And, uh, and then you've got, but not me, I'm a clergyman, right? <laughs> I'm paid to be good. <laughs> and so uh, in our nation, there's actually a different... I mean, you know, because I'm clergy, man, I actually fit under a different tax bracket to the rest of the world, right? That laity don't, can't, are not afforded that incredible luxury that I have under the law of this. Jesus hates that. No, I don't mind it. <laughs> but there is a sense in which this differentiation, you know, like somehow we are better, we are over you. Uh, and, and for some people, it makes them feel secure. Because I'm just little old me. I just come along and the pastor does his thing and I get so much from it. It's wonderful. And then I disappear and I know he's got it all in hand. And, it, and I can somehow lose my call to rise up and be the force of nature that God has called me to be as a member of his or her church. But the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is the opposite. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans basically is you'll come, right, and I will minister to you and then you will go away. <laughs> And struggle for your week until you can come back and be nurtured and suck all the goodness out of my ministry next Sunday. And then you'll go away and struggle for your week, your poor lost soul, until you can come back and, and drink all the nurturing you can, all the goodness out of my font once again. God bless you and me. And Jesus hates that. 
the, the, the person, the individual, the laity, if you will, have got to rise up to become the, the minister, the work of the ministry. Um, they are ministers. Every follower of Jesus Christ is a minister. How many know? And, and you've heard it as, as well as I. You know, people come and say, oh, the church needs greater focus on children or the church needs greater fake focus on missions or the church needs greater focus on the down and out. So the church needs greater focus on community or the church needs greater focus on women or the church needs greater focus on this, that, or the other thing. How, how, many, know, how many know it's kind of like this? It's kind of like this, right? This is, the, this, is, this is the church as we see it, right? It's this kind of, you know, it's this, it's this um, field. It's this, it's this, this defined thing. And so everyone comes with their straws to suck out of it, right? And so, you know, there might be 15 straws in that. Right? We're going to suck out of it. Well, I can't get enough. Yeah. Now, this church is deficient. It doesn't fill me up. No, well, it's never going to fill you up, sweetheart, because there's, there's not enough if we're all going to suck from it. And, and uh, you know, you, you drive past most churches of a Sunday, would hear everyone's sucking in all the goodness out of the Word and out of the pastor and, and, and out of the church. And, and don't get me wrong, right? It, it's, it's okay to, because there's something there to be had. But here's my point. My point is, if that's our understanding of the church, the church should do this and the church should do that instead of understanding I am the church. And if I understand that I am the church and the church isn't this, this standalone institution, but the church is a force released that can't be defined. Not a field that exists on the corner of this street and that street. And there's a building on that field and that's the church. And there's only so much that can happen on that space. God knows we've got to put a bit more space on, you know, because we can only do so much in this space. But how many know you can put a bit of space on the end? It's still, it's still restricted. It's still limited. But if the church is a mighty people released, there's no limits to it. It can just keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And no one can say, well, the church isn't doing this, the church isn't doing that, because the church is out doing everything. Because it's a different view of the church. It's not seen as a, as a field, but as a force. It's not seen as a defined institution, but it's seen as the family of Jesus. The family of God. And then um, uh, lastly, uh, and this is a really important one, I think. Motivation. Our motivation shifts from numbers to function. The question isn't really how many people were there. The question is, was everybody functioning? It's the difference between church growth and church health. Uh, I've, I've talked about my kids a bit, and I can tell you about my children. I don't really care how tall they are. I just care that all their bodies are functioning. <laughs> I want to show that every part of their body is functioning. When they were born, right, I mean, they were weighed and they were measured. I have no idea of any of that. <laughs> I only had one thing on my mind. Does it all work? <laughs> Is it, fun is, is it functioning? The, all the limbs and the, the, you know, the, 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 the organs of the body, is the child functioning? I don't really care how much it weighs. I don't really care how long it was or is. What I care about is how healthy it is. And now, they're, they're all adults now and they're different heights and, and different weights. I don't know how high they are. <laughs> I don't know how much they weigh. Guess what? 
I don't care. <laughs> no one comes to me and says, how big is your daughter? Oh, she's put on a few pounds. Oh, that's fantastic. Nobody says that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got in the car today, you know, and, uh, and Malcolm, uh, or, or one of them says, I can't remember now, you know, how, how's the family? You know, I didn't respond with six foot two. Uh, <laughs> they, they wanted, their question was, is everybody healthy? Because that's all, as a father, that's all you care about. And, and, and you know, I, I, look, I understand that the church has got to grow. I understand that because it's souls in the kingdom. I understand that. Um, but sometimes I wonder what our motivation behind that is. If somehow we'll feel better, feel better about ourselves because our church is bigger, then our, um, our motivation is wrong. We, um, we are being motivated, right, by a sense of numbers that makes me feel good rather than function. Is everybody functioning? Does everybody have a, you know, a, a, a contribution into the, the body? Is everybody doing their thing? Because that's in terms of the family, that's all I care about. You know, if whatever height they grow to, they grow to. And I don't care. And no father, or I don't think mother, they might, mother might remember how much they weighed when they were born. Uh, maybe for other reasons though. But, uh, but ultimately those things don't matter. Ultimately what matters is the health of the individual. And I just think that that's where we're going. Right? I think we're going to have a lot more churches again. See, my church, let me, my church isn't in terms of numbers much bigger than it was a decade ago. But I'll tell you something, there's a lot more churches in and around where I am than there was a decade ago. So I could say, oh, geez, my church isn't growing. What's wrong with me? Right? I, I could get down on myself, or I could say the kingdom of God is growing. This is wonderful. And, uh, you know, Ben, one of, one of my good young youth leaders is over now with, with Russell Harper, you know, leading his youth group there. And uh, my daughter and her husband now pioneering a church in Brisbane. And this one's over doing that. And this one's going to do that. And, you know, we've got a couple in, in, in um, Georgia, uh, in the former Soviet Union, starting church and things like this. And, and I could look at myself and I could go, well, my, my church really hasn't grown. I'm a failure. Or I could ask myself the question, what's, what's happening with the people? You know, what's happening to the body? Is it, is it healthier? Is the body healthier than it was 10 years ago? And I'd have to say yes. I'd have to say yes. I'd have to say more people are released. More people are doing things. There's more churches now in and around the area than there was 10 years ago. And the very fact that, you know, my role doesn't have more people on it, many more people on it than 10 years ago, you know, is that the only thing that, that's driving me forward? What about the fact that you've been able to put people there and send people there and start this over there and put, put these people out? That's, the motivation has got to come back to function and not just numbers. Then I think we can build the 21st century church that Jesus is asking us to build. Six shifts that I've observed happen over the course of the last 30 years. Oh, yeah. 35 years. <laughs> Why don't we stand together? One more time, we're going to pray for you and hand it back to uh, your leader. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father God, again, Lord, I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, uh, Lord, you've placed them right now on their point of ministry, in their place of ministry. Uh, Lord God, to uh, bring your kingdom into that community. Lord, not just, not just try to care for uh, a, a number of believers, 
Lord, not, not just try to run a, uh, a Sunday service and create a, 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 a business-like church, but Father, be a transformative, different community that would affect, nurture, pastor the regions around about. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here, Lord, in the Capricorn area, Lord, in, in, in Gladstone, in Rocky, and below, Lord, all the places in between, Father God. Uh, I, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the new churches that have started. I thank you for the, uh, the solid churches that are here. I, I thank you for the new ministries that are being born and, and released, Lord, and, and, and the faithful and tried and tested ministries that still here uh, that are moving uh, and, and uh, Lord, really making uh, the, their legacy. Father God, I, I pray that, Lord, we would not, we would not come back to purely a, a motivation, God, of, of bums on seats. But, Father God, we would have this kingdom mindset of releasing people into the ministry and into the purpose that you've called them to do, irrespective of the house and irrespective of the place they might sit in Jesus' name. I thank you for that. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you very much. Come on.